Um, today we start an amazing series about your family, my family, and their future. It's entitled Future Family. And it's an incredible topic to discuss because families are so near and dear to our hearts. Uh, today we're going to talk about the idealism of the family. What we actually want, but it's hard to, to get there. And so what, it, what that does, it creates a tension. Here's, what, here's, what, here's the standard, here's where I'm at, and there's a tension, and there's a, there's a, there's a temptation to say, well, I'm going to create a new normal, I just can't meet the ideal, so I'm just not going to even try. Next week we're going to talk about a very powerful question that if you were to answer it appropriately... It could change the dynamic of your marriage, and it could change the dynamic of your family. And then third, the third week, we're going to talk about family fighting. You ever fight with your family? Well, you're already at church and you're lying already, huh? All right, week three. I'm just kidding. Number four, week four, we're going to talk about reconciliation with family. And lastly, at the end, we're going to talk about leaving a legacy behind for your family, the future family. So when it comes to family origin, when it came to your brothers and your sisters and your mom, you didn't have any choice in the matter. A lot of times you wish you had my friend's family. I would go, I want their family, not this family. But we didn't have a choice. We didn't pick our family. It's the hardest yet, yet most rewarding thing to be a part of a family. And part of what makes it so difficult is sometimes the dynamics are just bad. At home, uh, you know, growing up in my household, dad was hardly around. So mom was stuck raising four rambunctious boys, uh, full of testosterone. There was very little estrogen in the house, and it was just a, a fiasco at times in our family. And so there was a dynamic there. And sometimes when dynamics don't change, uh, it, it creates uh, unintended consequences down the line. You know, so that, that, just a little bit about my family I want to tell you about. My mother is an immigrant from Nicaragua, and my father was an immigrant from Ecuador. And they met in Los Angeles, uh, knew each other for two weeks, got married, and been married almost 50 years. Talk about old school. That was pretty old school. My mom is a very loving mother, but she's highly emotional at the same time. And uh, my dad is loving, yet angry when you made mistakes. That was just kind of the dynamics at home. My wife is amazing at home. My current wife, Karen, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I want to stay in the good graces. I want a future family. You know, growing up in my house, there was always this tension about, we live in America, we were, me and my brothers were born Americans, and our, our friends were Americans, and they had, you know, apple pie and hot dogs and hamburgers. We had like watita yapingacho and, 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 and yuca. It was, it was, you know, it's like, Dad, it's like, we can't invite our friends over for dinner because our food is just crazy. Gallo pinto, who eats gallo pinto with eggs? Who does that? So there was always this tense, like, Dad, we can never invite our friends over because the food scares them away. I invited my friend over and we, my mom was serving my, my favorite soup. It was spinach soup. And it was, had spinach, it had noodles, it had corn, it had potatoes. It was in a yellow broth. I was like, hey man, isn't this, isn't this amazing, Jim? And he's, like, he's just like, what is it? And he's freaking out. And that's the last time Jimmy came over for dinner. Um, and so I had this conversation with my dad about, hey dad, uh, why don't we have hot dogs for dinner? 
hamburger. There's a thought. And dad, you know this thing of allowance in America? Kids get allowances. My dad would have having us do all kinds of things around the house for nothing. I'm like, you know, Micah and Jim, they get like five bucks a week to go to the movies. They, you know, and, and I asked my dad, hey dad, what about giving us an allowance? This is at dinner table, all sitting down. And so what about allowance? That's the American way. And my dad says to me, you're eating your allowance. <laughs> what? Eating my allowance? I have three brothers. One's an HR. One's a retired professional MMA fighter. And one other is a, uh, a blue-collar worker. And uh, it was always a competitive atmosphere in our house. Competition was always about video games. Who can, who can, who's better at football? Who's better at soccer? Who's better at running? Who's the fastest? And we'd always have this competition after my dad would go to the store. We'd come out of Kmart. And we all had our Kmart shoes on. And we thought we were the fastest guys in the block. So whenever new shoes has, it is something to your feet where you're like, come on, let's use faster. Now it's even. Like, like, like the shoes made a big difference. But in our family, we were running down for a block at speed, just running down our block to see who was the fastest. That was kind of the environment we grew up in. Just, it was just competition. If you were late for dinner when you got older, your dinner could have gotten eaten by your brother. So don't be late. And that created fights and it created tension. And it was incredibly sometimes hard to live with them. Here's what Future Family is about. It's an idealism that's in, in the Bible. But yet for some of us and most of us, sometimes we fall, we fall short of that idealism. And there's a tension that's there. And we dare not resolve the tension. We don't want that tension resolved. Because there's truth, and then there's grace. To resolve the tension would mean to lower the ideal of what it means to be a family. You know, the first family in the Bible was an absolute disaster. Let me show you scripture. We have good company. When the woman saw in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and they first started off, the first family, the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. And she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They, were, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Eve gets Adam in trouble. No, 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 no don't take that personally, sisters. Just Eve gets Adam in trouble. And then right after God, and this is right after when God announces that man should not be alone. And he gives her Eve. And then Eve gets Adam in trouble. And then as, as, as an author that, that I read that I really respect is John Eldridge. He writes, Man chose woman over God in the garden, and man has been choosing women over God ever since. What a quote. I thought, wow. So the first family didn't get to off to a good start. They messed up. They got removed out of the garden. And then they have children, of course. They have lots of children. And then there's the first family fight. The first family fight says in verse 2, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Why are you angry, says the Lord? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? 
But if you do not, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, "Hey, let's go out into the field, man. Let's go hang out." While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, "Where is your brother Abel?" I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Is how the story goes. First family fight, someone's dead. Now I don't know about your family, but that's a pretty brutality event that happened to a family that was with God, walking with God, saw God, he's there, and yet the first fight was not just a, okay, you go on that corner, I'll go on this corner, we'll cool off. Someone died. And there was a cover-up. I don't know where he's at. And then we're off to the races. There are very few, if any, good examples of great families in the Bible. King David, great leader, but his family was just in chaos. His son usurped his the power in his throne. Ever Eli, the priests, the prophets challenged with their family. Even the great prophet Samuel. The people said, your sons don't follow your ways. It's gone. There's not really a lot of good examples. And we have clear instructions though in the New Testament but not really a great example of it. But we have very clear instructions and we're going to talk about these idealistic principles in the Scripture. Now, what what is absolutely stunning to me is that these instructions, which I'm going to go over in a summarized, uh, summarized version for you, is in a Greek and Roman culture. A male-dominated culture. Where children were discarded if they were not useful. Where women were beneath everything of a man. They were low. They were, they were commodities. They were baby makers. They weren't much value. It was a male-centric society. And so the principles may, uh, may sound old-fashioned to us, but to them in their time, it was futuristic. It was unrealistic. And it was flat-out insane. To, I'm going to go over them in a minute. But to the, to the Roman disciples who lived their life in a male-dominant society where women had... Very few rights, if any. And children suffer. Women suffer. Where the man owned slaves. The man was used to telling and dictating everyone what they will and will not do. That was the society they lived in. And it's my opinion that as our world progresses, when we get away from a Christian worldview, the people who suffer most are women and children. We're seeing it now. We're seeing a little bit of outrage because we're seeing on video now that women are getting slapped and knocked out and beat up all the time. But that's been going on for hundreds and thousands of years. And my opinion is that if we get away from a Christian worldview, the children suffer. The children are harmed. It's a very dark place we can end up. So here's the summary I'm going to give you real quick. Uh, I wonder if we can lower this a little bit. I'm going to do a couple things here. Just to give you a kind of a summary version of the, uh, the, the principle here. Children, we all love this one. If you're a parent, you love this passage. 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is, a, which is the first commandment with a promise. We love that one, don't we? My kids have that memorized. <laughs> It'll go well with you. Two, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Well, you don't know my husband, is the cry. You don't understand. These are futuristic teachings to a society. Wait, but he might take advantage of me. Wait, wait. He's already taking advantage of me. This will even give him more fuel, more ammunition. How can I do this? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. This is a radical teaching to a Christian in the first century where the, the culture was women needed to be dealt with harshly. It's okay to deal with them harshly. They're beneath me. I rule this place. They are my worker and my mate. But I do the talking. And no one says how I say things. No one questions how I present my positions. That was the culture. So what's futuristic is, he's saying, no, 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 no. Don't be harsh with them. Love them. That was radical. That was where women were not equal to men. And Paul says, don't treat them like your dog. Don't treat them like your horse. horse. Yeah, being harsh with women is normal in the culture. But we're not going to live our lives based off the culture. Here's a new ideal for you. Being harsh with, 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 with wives and with women was normal because they weren't considered valuable. And Paul says being harsh is over. This is new. We're going to function differently. To them, this was a future family. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. You know, this word exasperates. Again, this was normal in the Roman culture. Kids weren't worth much. They could be sold. They could be given away. They could be finished off. And this is a, this is the New Testament principle that I violate unintentionally with my children. I violate it probably every Saturday morning in this in this fall season. I, I and in my mind I'm going. I'm giving them the truth, though. I'm telling them the truth. But what is really happening is I'm frustrating them with the truth. I'm putting a weight on my kids just by telling them the truth sometimes. When mom says it, her words weigh 25 pounds. When dad says it, it weighs 500 pounds. Our words are heavy. Even though we're... we're, I'm, I'm telling my kids the truth. You let character... You gotta grow up. You're a whiny baby. You're a little you're a little crybaby. Man up. It discourages and exasperates them. Amen. Think it, it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah, but it just crushed them. It crushes their little spirit. And I wish I could go back and just take back those words that I've said. Like, oh, why, did, why did I say that? Wish I could just take him back. But it crushes my children. It may be truthful, 
But my words carry weight. And that's the difference. Don't exasperate them. This is futuristic. They're going like, what? I gotta change the way. But isn't this normal? No, this is the new. This is the ideal. This is the idealistic teachings. It was futuristic. For us, we're like, well, you know, it's a little, yeah, that makes sense. But to them, that made no sense. Who cares how you talk to kids? Is what they, who cares how you talk to, who cares? God cares. And this was, this was the futuristic teaching. This was the future family that God was taking them. And in 1 Peter 3, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Whoa! Considerate! Considerate! I don't wash dishes. I don't do that. That's her role, her function. I don't care if she's tired. I don't care if she had a long week. Be considerate. As you live with your wife. Treat them with what? Respect? They're not equal to me. They don't deserve equality with a man. Yes. Actually, they do, God says. Respect them as as the weaker partner physically and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Heirs? Co-heirs? They're my equal in God's eye? Yes. This was radical. This was new. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. I love how God puts that in there. You better treat them right or else I'm not going to listen to you. It'll hinder you. Man, the connection. The futuristic, and, and, and guys, this was unrealistic to them. We're going like, yeah, that sounds about right in our culture. No, this was futuristic. This is unrealistic. In fact, this was flat out insane. You're talking, I have to change radically 180 degrees how I'm treating my wife, my kids, and my donkey. This is crazy. Karen does quote that scripture to me. A righteous man takes care of his animals. <laughs> Just quote that scripture. <clears throat> you know, just this, just this Saturday morning, you know, I, 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 I'm coaching my son's team and I'm frustrated. We haven't won a game. We haven't scored a goal all year. I think we scored one goal. Like 17 goals for them and one for us. And I was like, ah, aren't they learning? Frustrated. Try not to yell at them. But I am yelling at them. And I'm making these rude comments in the sidelines. And parents probably hate me by now, which i got to apologize on Monday. And Karen, I get home and... Well, actually, when the game was over, I actually just left. I just got myself and just walked away. <laughs> I just walked and walked and walked and walked and walked to the car and walked away. And then Karen sits me down and we get home. She pull out, pulls out last week's sermon notes. <laughs> I said, last week you said that, you know, Jonah was an idolater. An idolater is someone that puts in, has more passion about something above God and puts God second. And she's like, yeah. And then and you also said that, you know, we get excited about things that aren't really eternal. You get more excited about the non-eternal things than you do the real things that really matter. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and Karen just goes down by point by point, just kind of repeats her notes as she took them. And I'm just sitting there going, I am Jonah. I, didn't, I, I thought it was, I was Jonah sharing my faith, but I was Jonah the exact person in the Bible. My wife's just kind of going, just, just lovingly going over my notes, the ones that I preach. She says, this is what I think where you're at, spiritually. And I was like, 
I was just convicted. I was absolutely convicted. This is why I don't like preaching sometimes. Because you get judged more strictly. You guys judge me more strictly. So does my wife. More strictly. If I'm going to say things, I get judged more strictly. And that's what the scriptures say. It says, I get judged more strictly. It's not always encouraging to hear for the Lord. Hold on. Can you take it a little easier over there? You know, in, in this... In this world, husbands didn't always choose their wives. They were given their wives. Here's your wife. Be considerate to the person you chose for me. It wasn't even my pick. <laughs> what? What would be this? My dad said he had to marry her because she had no one who no one wanted to marry her. I had to marry her. <laughs> be considerate. Be respectful. You see how futuristic this was? They chose your wife. You're going to marry her. We, me and the parents, we already talked about it. This is your wife. And this was the teaching. That's the summary. Husbands, love your wives. Be considerate. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents and fathers. Don't irritate your children. It sounds old-fashioned, but to them it was futuristic. I'm giving you the summary now in case this is your last Sunday. I want you to have the summary now. <laughs> now, Jesus constantly pointed people to an ideal in a direction that was, here, here's where you want to be. And it seemed unattainable. And yet, He didn't condemn when you fell short. But He, didn't, he also didn't dumb down the ideal. Amen. He offered grace when it wasn't attained. So let me give you an example. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ideal. It's the ideal for men. In a world of pornography, in a world of lust, in a world of instant access, in a world that is sensualized, this is the ideal. And so how are you going, am I a Christian? Right? He redefined adultery. He made all men adulterers. And then he paid for their adultery. And he died for it. He gave us the ideal. We fell short. And then he died for it. Just like Marty said. And when it comes to family, he and those who've heard him teach, they want to do the same thing. They want the ideal. Perhaps one of the most, a better extreme example of this is when Jesus was talking about marriage and the religious leaders were trying to trap him with his own words. And they heard him teach on divorce in Matthew chapter 5. And they saw a contradiction between what Moses said and what Jesus said. And here's the contradiction. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason. They had a, they had a version of a no-fault divorce that, puts, that makes us look, ours in California, look incredibly weak. Okay? They can divorce their wives for cooking a bad dinner. They can divorce their wives for not being available sexually. Done. It's over. Finished. They had, a, they, they had the right to do that. So they're questioning Jesus. Say, is it lawful for a man? And then he says... 
Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, when things were perfect, when things were ideal, God the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one, and he's saying, not even Moses, separate. Then they they reply, why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replies, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. It was not this way, ideally speaking. It was not what God made you for. But wait, in today's world that sounds so unrealistic. And in their world, it sounded unrealistic. Things happen. People change. To which Jesus would say, I know. That's why I'm here. So you're against divorce, Jesus? Yes. So what are you going to do with all the divorced people that are around? I'm going to give my life for them. That's his reply. That's what he did. And that brings us to the tension. There's this truth, this idealism, and then there's us. And we fall short of the ideal. There's truth, and there's grace. And that tension is good. Because if you want to resolve that tension, you create a new normal. I can't do it. I give up. I'm just going to do what I know is best. No. God says, strive for that ideal. Strive for it. It's truth. It's rock solid. It's why I made you do this. But we come up short. He gives us the ideal, but He does not condemn us when we fall short. You see how that works? Sometimes we want to resolve it. I just want to give up. I want to lower the bar and make a new standard. And I don't think Jesus gave us us many options. So the question is, will we embrace a standard that many of us have fall or will fall short of? Or will we redefine the terms in order to feel better about ourselves? Make a new standard for ourselves. Are we willing to aim our children toward a destination that we can never reach? Or are we going to redefine normal? You know, first century Christians, they embraced the teachings of Jesus and others when they were anything but normal. Anything but normal. And when it comes to family, this creates almost an intolerable tension. When I came home that night, that afternoon, yesterday, there was tension. Because I created it. I did exactly what the ideal said. Don't exasperate your kids. That's exactly what I did. And then there's, there's, this, there's this feeling of, I just can't do it. It's impossible. I have to quit. I can't do it. That's what you know, my flesh says when I know I'm, no, I'm wrong. And I don't want to create a new normal. And then Karen breaks out the scriptures. And lifts me back up. Aim for this. And then I'm rejuvenated. Okay. Alright, I can do it one more week. I'll survive one more week. I can do this. I can make this better. 
things that make it bearable for us is that we don't want our children, we want our children to experience better. We want them to experience a better life than what we experienced. Right? But there's tension. So every divorced adult always wants what's better for their children. Don't you? You don't want to normalize divorce, do you? Okay, son, getting married in three years. You're going to get divorced, you're going to have to have a second wife, and now I'm going to, you know, here's what you've got to expect. We're not having those conversations, are we? You want, do you, you want your daughters to marry a man who will, you know, you don't want her to marry a man who's assuming going into marriage that I'm going to trade up in three years? We're not, you know, we don't want that for our kids. No way. We want them to have a better marriage than our marriage. You know, our dads jacked us up, but, but you know what? We have an opportunity to change all that, right? We want what's better for them. We want to, that's, what, that's what keeps us in the game. We want, I want a better life. I want, and people do this. They stay married until the kids get older, and then they go, see you later, Bubba. That's what they do now. They wait 25 years, kids are grown up, emotionally healthy, and they kick the husband out. It's sad, but it happens. We don't want that. And we don't want our kids to have that. So what keeps us going is that we want our kids to have and know, and know better. You know, every single mom prays that their little girl one day will meet a man who will cherish her until death do them part. If you're a single mom, you want that for your daughter. You're not telling your daughter, hey, guess what, honey? Life's rough and you might have three husbands. That's not what you're thinking in your heart. You're thinking, I want the best. I want you to marry someone awesome. I want someone that will never leave you through thick and thin. That's what we want for our kids. That's why we're here. We want our sons to find a role model. And when they want to get married, it's forever. They want to do it forever. One wife. It's an awesome thing. So, there's the tension. There's the motivation. But there's the truth. And then there's grace. But the truth is, is it's high. It's up there. It, to grab that, man... But we, we strive for that idealism. So for the next five weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at the ideal within the context of a less than I, an ideal world. And number two, we're going to point to a better future. And there will be handles for, you to, for everyone to grab on. Everyone will have a, have a handle. I can get that. And if you're single, maybe this series leaves you with a new picture of what it could be and should be in your future. You don't have to settle. If you're in a family where the ideal seems out of reach, you're actually in the majority. You're in the majority. Most, it's hard to grab that. And yet they, the first century Christians, how radical and male dominant their culture was, they embraced these teachings. And there's tension that we dare not resolve. That tension is good. Here's the ideal and here's the grace, and, there's, and that's a good tension to have. Because I left that little detail with Karen, motivated, apologetic to my kids, restoring the relationship, and you know what? We're going to make it a better week. Amen. I didn't want to create a new normal, like, oh, it's, I'm finished, I'm done. And, then, and, then, and have that as the norm. Have where I feel justified exasperating my children. Because I'm telling them the truth. Yeah, the truth crushes. Truth without love is absolutely harsh. Try it sometime. Or, or, or experience it sometimes. It's harsh. But this is what Future Family is all about. Thanks for your time.